Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. Feels like Saturday to me. You know why? Because I'm still stuck with yesterday. I'm still stuck back there, ladies and gentlemen. I'm still stuck on the path of two local baseball teams. We'll talk about the Yankees in a minute, but as a Met fan, I got to start with them just for a couple of seconds. Just indulge me. And, of course, you can reach out, 1-800-919-3776. Also be at Twitter, at Hardest to ESPN, at ESPNNY98 underscore 7FM. Yeah, I know the U.S. lost in the Olympics. I got it. Give me a second. Yeah, I know Simone Biles proved she was human. It's okay. We'll get to it in a minute. I'm very concerned about my Mets. I'm very concerned going into this game today about Rich Hill. Now, on the surface, Rich Hill is a great acquisition. He's a guy that can eat up innings. He's a warm body that can pitch. (laughs) Because if you look at the bad injuries from their pitching staff, it's a concern. Over his last five starts, Rich Hill, 23 and two-thirds innings, 24 hits, 12 runs, 12 walks, 18 Ks, four home runs. After watching the home run derby that Toronto put on at City Field yesterday, oh, I wish I had George Springer. You see that great play he made in center field? I wanted George Springer. Money, I got it. Move on. But nevertheless, I'm concerned. Two things. Here's my concern about Rich Hill. And I heard all the stuff. I heard all the information. Well, Tampa's got three other lefties. They just took on Nelson Cruz. They have to give up some money. I got all that. I hear it. But the one thing you can say about Tampa Bay over the past couple of years is they've been able to do a lot with a little. And they've been they've made very few personnel mistakes. Very few. Why are they letting Rich Hill go? And which Rich Hill are the Mets getting? Are they getting the Rich Hill that was pretty darn good over the first part of the season? Or are they getting the Rich Hill over the last five starts of the stats I gave you a couple of seconds ago? We'll find out today because he's on the mound against that very tough Toronto offense. But yesterday, Tyrone Walker, Now, Walker in the first half, and I've said it over and over and over again, he's been invaluable. With DeGrom in and out of the rotation, what was going on? Who was going to be that guy that was going to step up? Who was going to be that guy that was going to help Marcus Stroman solidify the front end of that that that, uh, pitching rotation? Who was going to be that guy? And it was him. In 16 starts, ERA 2.5, upon the batting average, 196. And then the all-star break hit. And I get it. He threw 90, about 90 innings in the first half of the season. People were concerned. Okay, what's happening? Are you going to stretch him a little bit? It's the most he's pitched inning-wise in a while. We'll see what happens. And the start before the first half wasn't the same as the other ones. But you just chalk it up. Listen, he had a bad day. Since the all-star break. Opponents hitting 500. His ERA since the break, 22.85. So now his ERA is 3.43. And seemed like he got hurt a little bit, had a twinge, shoulder, stayed in the game, gave up another home run. 
add to that, in that never-ending saga, and Yankee fans, you can appreciate this because of injuries as the Mets fans have gone through it for the past couple of years, it seems like. Well, he's got, a, he's got this injury, but he's out with that injury, right? So David Peterson has been out with an oblique. Now it looks like he's got a foot fracture, maybe done for the year. I still don't know what I'm getting from DeGrom. I'm hoping he'll be back. And while, yes, you look at the National League East, and you see that, well, Philly, bullpen, ah, the Mets should beat them. Atlanta, Noah Cunha Jr., and really disappointing from them because I thought they would be the number one competition for that division. Ah, they've been up and down, can't seem to get out of their own way. And the Nationals, listen, you know, if Kyle Schwarber plays, they're good. If he doesn't, they're not. And the Marlins are the Marlins right now. They're floundering. So, yes, it should be the Mets division to win. But when you understand that this division and the Mets particularly, their identity is their pitching staff, the starters. Carrasco could be coming. I don't know when. I don't know what he's going to have when he comes. Syndergaard should be coming in September. I don't know what he's going to have when he comes. So they may make this a little closer than they need to. So I'm very concerned about the Mets. Very, very concerned about them. We'll see what happens today, a little over an hour from now, when they start. And then there are the New York Yankees. And what do you do? If you're a Yankee fan, you are in a high-wire, daredevil act that the Yankees are running on you, the tightrope with no net. (laughs) Yesterday, you had to feel, after finding just one of the most incredible ways to lose a lead in a game on Friday night. I mean, four wild pitches, and who are these guys, and why would you entrust them in Fenway Park in a game you got to have? And then Saturday, Garrett Cole is battling, 102 pitches, you lose. So yesterday, behind Jamison Tyon, who – Give him credit. He's improved. He's kept you in games. He's given you some length. He's improved. But you're down 3-0. And if you're a Yankee fan, you're like, here we go. It's over. It's done. Forget about it. What a horrible season. We've got nothing. They find a way to pull out a 4-3 victory. With that in mind, because I've heard a lot of you complaining Boone's got to go. Boone doesn't know what he's doing. What, what, what's, what's the deal with Boone? They don't small ball, long ball, all this other stuff. And, of course, Brian Cashman continues to take abuse. And listen, considering the makeup of this team and what you've seen from them and the lack of his ability to find quality depth, knowing that you've had an injury situation history, especially with your outfielders, See, filed under Stanton, Judge. You know, you got to have some more depth in that outfield. Oh, yeah, and Aaron Hicks. Quality depth. They haven't had a quality center fielder all year. Quality. I mean, Brett Gardner's been out there. Brett Gardner's on Brett Gardner's on pace to play 100 games. Nobody in their right mind, including Brett Gardner, thought he was going to be <laughs> playing 100 games this year. Nobody. Nobody. 
So, yeah, Brian Cashman has to take a hit for how he's put together this team. Luke Voigt continues to stay on the, the, the injured list. Hopefully he'll be back soon, taking batting practice. So hopefully he'll be back. And the guys who have been able to play kind of consistently with your starters, with the exception of Aaron Judge, have been eh. Stanton's been eh. Glaber is showing signs of life right now, but he's been eh, and he's been awful in the field. Awful. To the point that you're hearing about trade rumors about getting a, a shortstop to move him back to second base. See, following the Trevor Story and company. So, yeah, Cashman should take some of the heat for that. Gamble with Tyon and Kluber at the top of, to add to your rotation. Not knowing what they were going to be able to bring to the table. Kluber gave you a no-hitter, hasn't been seen since. Tyon, as I mentioned earlier, getting better. So we have a poll question for you. Yeah, haven't done that in a while. At hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Here's the question. What has to happen in order for the Boone-Cashman duo to return? Okay, you're Hal Steinbrenner. What has to happen for the Boone-Cashman duo to return? Do they have to make the American League Championship Series? Do they have to make the World Series? Do they have to win the World Series? Or it's over, period. I'm done. Don't want to hear from them. They both got to go. Let's start fresh. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. Also via Twitter at Hardest ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. What has to happen in order for the Boone Cashman duo to return is our poll question this afternoon. Do they have to make the ALCS? Make the World Series? Win the World Series? Or you're done with them. It's over, period. Done. Get them out. I want to hear what you have to say. Off to the phones we go. Spike is in St. Pete. He leads us off on the Ian O'Connor Show. Hey, Spike. Yeah, good afternoon, my friend. And I'm uh, shouting out to all New Yorkers. A rare a daytime sunlight appearance by the great Larry Hardesty. <laughs> Turn your devices on. So the Yankees, to me, yesterday, they lucked out. Man, that was just a pure-ass luck out, as we used to say in Brooklyn. You know, there were two bloops and a walk or whatever it was. They got the break on the bounce out, and then Chapman puts you through hell again. They don't have a talent. As far as your question goes, I'm going with public opinion here. I like to be, you know, uh, a little, uh, you know, uh, different usually. But I think uh, Hal, certainly not George, and that's nothing wrong with that. He's different. But I think uh, Hal uh, considers Brian almost a, uh, another brother. And they'll give him another year because the contract coincides. Uh, Boone's horrible. A manager, great guy. I admire him. I've met him. And I knew his father and grandfather casually just to meet them at games when I was a kid. But I'll tell you something. I told you that last night or whatever we spoke last time. The mistake he made uh, on the, with the I'll never remember the names at my age. Uh, the mistake he made leaving the guy with four wild pitches in oh, going Christy. back to back. I mean, just. You yeah. can't do that, Larry. You can't. So they got lucky yesterday. That's all. Uh, Voldy should be shutting them down. I think the Mets make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I think they're deep. And I think the rest of the teams, as Michael Kay, you know, has been saying all week, he's watched them and seen them. And, you know, <laughs> they're not that good. So that looks that. I got to talk a little bit about this Olympic game, if you yeah, don't God. mind. All right? Mm-hmm. Listen. And by the way, uh, Ty Butler, my buddy there, threw down the gauntlet on a challenge. He thinks he can take you with basketball. And 
he doesn't know the Floyd Lane era of, you know, Hustle and Larry Hardesty boxing out. <laughs> Listen. Could you board could you board or not? Hey, hey Spike. I I'm now the old guy on Sunday in the shoes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know that, but what did they have? They had wisdom and sharp elbows. Yeah, that's me now. That's yeah. sad. But could could you board or not? Could you grab yeah. those rebounds? Yeah, that was my okay, thing. Okay, well, that was my Ty, thing. Ty, Ty's remarkable. Listen, we're not hiding. We're all family. You know that. He yeah. said you're too slow. He said you're right. too I, slow. I want to see him post you up. Well, you know, that might be an issue. The post up might be an issue, <laughs> but but what he can do, he can probably take me off the drive. A quick first step that I know he has. Yeah, right. yeah, that's fine. But I'm saying one on one, you play first to twelve, eleven, or whatever they play today. Yeah. You know, you hold your ground. Uh, if he can make a seventeen footer, you're dead. You know. That's right. But uh, he ain't. He he's not. You know, maybe the rules should be requiring you got to shoot from inside the, inside the lane or something, <laughs> man. I like to see him try and get the board after a miss on you, man. <laughs> oh, those Floyd Lane teams were priceless, man. Yes, anyway, so anyway, Great I just coach. think. Great the, head coach. Um, yeah. Yeah, Pop was, uh, you got four Pops with your best shooters. You can't lose that game. No. This is, you can't throw guys together. Yeah, no. It doesn't work. Hey, Frank got a lot of burn today, huh? How about that? Most he's played in two years. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> What's different playing internationally? Frank doesn't get into the game. Anyway, it was, I was disappointed. Of course, you're pulling for the country, even though yeah. those other guys, you know yeah. them. And he came up big, you know, the, the, the 28 points. Listen, I think it's a double elimination, I would think. You got to lose twice in your, or is well, it one and done? To, well, eventually you get to the single elimination, Spike. So so that's when it gets dangerous. But I think they'll be okay by then. I mean, look, and thanks for the phone call, my friend. Always good talking to you. Here's the bottom line that you have, especially with a team, with the team like Team USA, with the pros doing it now. I mean, you've got, you've got Devin Booker. You got Booker, Middleton, and Holiday joining you after a grueling six-game series. Okay, I mean where they played yeoman minutes, and they haven't practiced with the team at all, at all. And so you're in a situation where you're trying to, you know, you don't have that time where you build team chemistry, and that's what you're going to face with these these teams from other countries. And that's what they don't have right now. They don't. Who's the defined guy? Who who who's your point guard guy? Who's the guy that's going to keep that team together? Damian Lillard's a scorer. He didn't he didn't score much today. All right. Kevin Durant's a scorer. Fouled out. What were they? I think combined they were seven of twenty-two. He and Lillard. That's not going to happen very often, but it happened today. And so you get a team of players who also play in the NBA. Once again, this is not the same scenario that you had in 92 in Barcelona where, you know, the other players were busy getting autographs from the NBA players. And we're just like, well, we're not going to beat them, so we'll just we'll, we'll be friendly and get their autographs and maybe they won't beat us by 105 points. This is different, all right? And, you know, the wake-up call with this team, hey, guess what? You got work to do, guys. You got work to do. You got to do a little bit better than what you're doing. And... The first loss since 04, it's tough. It's embarrassing. But you got to put that behind you. And you know what? Let's go. Let's go. Let, let's build it. Let's do what we got to do. And let's work harder and get this done. Mark is in Newark. Hey, Mark, you're next on the Ian O'Connor Show. 
Brother Larry, how are you? I'm doing great, Mark. What's up, my friend? Hey, man. Uh, how's my connection? Are, are we good? You sound good. Okay. Okay. You do, too. Larry, you're on fire today. <laughs> you must have digested a lot of sports in the last couple of days because you, you're kind of spot on about everything. But I called as a friend to ease your mind a little bit about our beloved New York Mets. Okay. Go ahead, Mark. Uh, Help me brother out. Brother Larry, get off the ledge, bro. <laughs> you know me. I'm uh, I'm like that guy that wants to jump through the window, but the window's closed. Yeah, and, and, and we're allowed to jump out the window now, remember? <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Larry, um, I'm, I'm in lockstep with you about uh, the, your Mets comments today. And, and also, though, I want to add, you know, I'm, I'm still in la-la land about getting uh, Brian and, and Mad Bun. Um, I still think that that not only should be on the table, but that should be the table, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this team is poised. I mean, they really haven't done anything, anything differently than they've been doing all year without all of our guys that are out. This is a resilient, good baseball team at its core. And, and I do like the manager. I, I like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, does he do everything right? No, but he takes responsibility when it's bad, and he he says what they have to do to make it better. Even though he says it a lot, he right. says it. Um, but but where I'm at is, is like this. Okay, um, if we even if we don't get Brian and Mad Bum, which I, I really hope that uh, that uh, Cohen is listening to do that. Um, I'm looking at Conforto is, is starting to swing the bat better. I think that, like I told you about Alonzo, I think he did the home run dirty to get his home run swing back, and right. I think that he's showing that that that's working because mm-hmm. um, he is he is he is aiming for the for the fence pretty much every time, but differently he's waiting for his pitch. Um, we don't have Lindor back, and and we need him back, and he'll be back, and and then our other pitchers there are not here, so. Where I'm sitting at is I'm in like Aaron Rodgers mode, R E L A X, L A X, brother Larry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this team is poised to win the World Series at, at its core, and that's what excites me about this team. And we'll bounce back and win today, and that'll be another series. Because as you know, get the first one and try to split the last two and keep that format, and that's going to take us all the way to the pennant and then to the World Series. That's what. That's the way I'm looking at it. What about you? And, Mark, logically, you are correct. And thank you for the phone call. That's the way you do it. You win series, and as long as you win series, it's hard for teams to catch up. I will admit to you, and, yes, I need to let it go, but it's hard. Covered the team in 07. They were up seven games with 17 to play. And went five and twelve to close out the season. And so, because of that, that's always going to be in the back of my head. And for me, I look. I get having covered sports for being blessed to cover as long as I have. I get that you have injuries. I get that you have runs. I get all that stuff. I do. But as a Met fan, I have also seen teams who aren't that good make runs and be great. 73 Mets, under 500, make a run. Give the Oakland A's a challenge in the 73 World Series. So I know, I know, 69 Mets, 
Come back and beat the Cubs. I get it. So once again, I've seen these type of things transpire. I've witnessed these things. I've heard these things. I've spoken to people about these these runs. And while what you're saying, Mark, is a thousand percent correct, they as long as they win series, they should be okay. Offensively, as long as they continue to score runs at the pace that they've been scoring runs recently, they'll be fine. But when your ace and a guy like Jacob DeGrom, who has been as dominant as anybody in the history of baseball from a pitching standpoint, when you start comparing his numbers to the numbers of the legendary Bob Gibson in 1968, who had a 1.12 ERA, and his is 1.08, that's dominant. It's dominant. And when a guy like that, who you need to have, has issues staying in the rotation, and you can say, well, Larry, look, he's out. That means he'll be better later. Yeah, it also means he could be hurt later. So these are the things that keep me from being, oh, you know, the, the hey, listen, we're good. Nothing's going to happen to us. We're all right. We're the Mets. We're, you know, we, we're going to win easy. We're going to win. It's no problem. Seen too much. Season not long enough. <laughs> this season is still too long. For me, this season is still long. And yeah, I know in theory, like I said at the Open, you look at what Atlanta does, Atlanta has given you nothing. Nothing to give you an indication that they're going to make a run, especially without arguably their best player. They haven't been consistent all year. They've been struggling all year, even with him. Phillies, we know their bullpen is awful. Saw them. <laughs> the Yankee fans, real thank for the Yankee fans, they're very happy that Phillies' bullpen was so bad. Helped you sweep them. And the Nationals, like I said, listen, as long as Swarber, I don't have to face Carl Swarber, Swarber I'm good. And the Marlins, I'm not worried about the Marlins. All the Mets have to do is win games, right? Do what they do. But you're pitching because that's the identity of this team. When it starts to struggle or waver a little bit, you have to be a little concerned. And the bullpen is much better than it's been. They perform better than they have been. But Diaz is a lot like Chapman. Every once in a while, he gives you that high wire act where it's like, oh, he's still, I just when I was ready to get some confidence in him, look what he does. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN. Before we get back to you on the phones, it's time for the truly hard play of the game brought to you by Truly Hard Seltzer. And we go back to the New York Yankees and the Boston Red Sox yesterday. And for me, it was not one play, but a series of plays, and it took place in the eighth inning. It started with, ironically, a Florial double to deep center off Nathan Evaldi. And why do I say that? Because Evaldi got the next two guys out, right? But that leadoff double forced the Boston Red Sox to make a change when Gardner came up to bring in Adovino. Now, Adovino, of course, you, you would think has had some issues against lefties, right? But he, he's a guy that gets out righties. He makes it impossible for the righties to get him. But they brought him in to face Gardner. Gardner singles to right, Florio scores on that play, right? So now Adovino comes in, and he's going to face Stanton. Stanton hits a ground rule double to right. Gardner goes to third. Wade comes in for Stanton. Odua doubles to left center. Gardner scored. Wade scores. And then Torres singles to right. And Odor scored. And so the Yankees went from 
trailing 3 nothing to leading 4-3 in that eighth inning. And, you know, Aaron Boone loves to have positive comments. That's the one thing about him, even with losses, and it frustrates some Yankee fans a lot. But here's what Aaron Boone had to say about that eighth inning that helped him get a win against the Red Sox. Yeah, I think so. I, I, I thought Flo had a great at-bat to start it, you know, shooting it in the alley. Then Guardy, a really good two – I think it was a two-strike swing on the breaking ball that got him earlier in the game, put a really good swing on that to drive him in, you know, and then G dump one, dumps one out there, and Rugi goes the other way too. So just a great job of using the entire field, and you know, in the blink of an eye, we you know had the lead by some real good, solid winning at bats there. And that's the truly hard play of the game, brought to you by the Truly Hard Seltzer. Try Truly Hard Seltzer, 100 calories, one gram sugar, five percent alcohol, and 27 different flavors. Truly Hard Seltzer Beverage Company. Please drink responsibly. 1-800-919-3776. Also weigh in on our poll question. That hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. What has to happen in order for the Boone Cashman duo to return? Make the ALCS, make the World Series, win the World Series, or it's over, period. Done. I don't want either of them back. I'll give you some early numbers in a couple of minutes, but um, Fly Ty Butler is a Yankee fan. So I'm curious and he was very instrumental in this question. It's his question, so it's obviously something on his mind. So, uh, Ty, how do you weigh in on this? It's it's tough because, I, like, you would have to realistically feel like this team has a shot of winning the World Series, and I don't. I, at the beginning of the season, thought that if they were able to stay healthy – you piece together that rotation the way that you did. A lot of question marks with the you know guys coming off injuries, but with with Cole at the top of the lineup, as far as the rotation is concerned, and the offense being as good as it had been the last couple of seasons, they could win a World Series. But right now, I would say that that has to be like the bare minimum because Joe Girardi was able to get them to Game Seven of of the American League Championship Series, and then you fired him. So if the thought process behind getting rid of him was Aaron Boone's going to help take you to that next level, wouldn't you have to at the very least get past where he was? Mm-hmm. You would think. So maybe that has to be the answer. You would think so. It's it's. But do you it's also, going to be interesting. Yeah, do go you ahead. Al- do you also um, recalibrate your expectations based on – how the Yankees started the season. In other words, like, yes, they came into it, the favorites to go to the World Series. But at the halfway mark, they were drawing dead to even make the playoffs. So now if they make the playoffs, do you factor that into it and say Aaron Boone was able to galvanize the group? We've got some momentum headed into next season. We'll get, you know, some of our guys who who were out this year come back with Boyd and Hicks. Everyone's going to be healthy next year. And if, if we continue to do things the way that we're doing it now, maybe we can have some success. I think you can talk yourself into bringing him back, even if the Yankees don't have any playoff success. But I just don't think he's a great manager. Like, I'm watching a a Red Sox team who the Yankees are playing now, pretty much the same roster, finished 12 games under five hundred last year. They bring back their manager, and now they are one of the best teams in, in all of baseball. So clearly, like, there is a separation between their manager and ours as far as, you know, how great they are. So there is a lot of value in having a great manager. And, and Boone hasn't added – I don't think he's added wins to this team, Mm-mm. you know, similar to how I mentioned with Cora, what he's been able to do for the Red Sox. So you got to judge him on, on that scale as well. 
Yeah, and but see, here's the thing that is not in Boone's favor, but it's not his fault, but his job is to manage what you give him. Cora has options. Cora's teams can beat you more than one way. They don't rely on the home run. They can get an extra base hit. They can make contact. They can run if they need to. They're versatile. That's how they won the World Series along with the you know, Apple Watches and trash cans, I guess, uh, some years ago. And the same thing with Houston, Apple Watches and trash cans. Uh, and but buzzers. but And buzzers. But from a talent standpoint, that's why you kind of shake your head to say, why did, they, why did they have to do those things? Because talent-wise, they were so versatile and they had a strong pitching staff. So, you know, that's how you win championships is to be versatile. And while the Yankees have continued, and once again, you know, the, the battle is with Boone, I think Cashman is more defined what he should have done and the fact that he did not put together a certain type of lineup for this team, right? With the manager in this era of analytics, I don't know who's, I don't know what he's responsible for, what he isn't responsible for. But see, that's the, and that's what's so frustrating. So, Larry, you've covered sports for a long, a very long time. And one thing that has been consistent through the evolution of, of, you know, uh, uh, all the different sports, basketball, baseball, football, whatever. One thing that has been consistent is when teams underachieve, we know where to put the blame. There's going to mm-hmm. be some degree of the blame put on the players and, and not performing. Right? You could look up and down the Yankee lineup with Stanton, with LeMahieu, with Torres. Like there, there have been some precipitous drop-offs as far as where we expected them to be versus where they are now. So you can point direction, blame in that direction. We've also always known that in any sport, if a team is not performing well, we can look at the head coach and say, you've got to have some culpability. But now we're being told with Aaron Boone, yeah, this he's doing exactly what the organization wants him to do. So what is, what is he here for? Like, what's the difference between – like, why, why can't Larry Hardesty manage the Yankees? If he's just going to do whatever the, the, the organization tells him to do, He's going to have the numbers spit out to him, and then here's the lineup. You know, here's what we want you to do. Here are the, the matchups. Here are the, the substitution patterns. Like, why is it that we can't judge him similar to how we would judge any other manager, any other coach, any other coach, as we've been doing for as long as we've been watching sports? You're right. It's frustrating, and you should be able to do that. And the fact that you aren't able to do that is, you know, it, it's unfortunate. And it's unfortunate for Boone. Because, listen, how do I know that he wanted to keep, let's go back to Friday. How do I know that he wanted to keep Sessa in to go for a second inning after he only threw five or six pitches, but the the numbers say, well, you got to take him out because you may need him and this has a better ratio. How do I know he, he, he if, if it was up to him, he would do that? See, for me, I understand analytics. I get it. Baseball numbers and success rates against people and players and pitchers and whatnot and matchups have always been in baseball. In a sense, it's not really new. Everybody's had a book on how you pitch this guy and this guy and what you do there. The difference has been that I just feel that managers have been able to go against that and look based on what they see. I see that Sessa's rolling. I'm not pulling Sessa out in this situation Mm -hmm. when I know what my bullpen looks like. I know my bullpen's struggling, A, B, I've got Cole going tomorrow, and there's the likelihood that he's going to give me at least six innings, minimum, maybe even seven. So why can't I go Sessa the extra innings in a game that i got to have? I need need three or four minimum in this weekend to make me feel like i got a shot in this division. I need three or four going in. I know that. And by the way, like – 
what got lost in all of this was the Yankees right now. You would you would say that every single game they play is the most important game of their season. They don't have any equity. They're trailing in the division. They're trailing in the wild card. A team expected to make the playoffs, contend for a title. All of a sudden, we're, we're looking at could they sell at the deadline. Every game is important. Why on earth are, did we just accept that Chapman wasn't available for a third straight game? Hmm. Yep. Because you know he's pitched two straight days. You're fighting for your playoff lives. Like this isn't April. This isn't spring training. This is essentially your, your October has has begun already. You've got to get all of these games, and he's not allowed to pitch because he he threw two days in a row. Are you kidding me? Well, that's part of it. Ty. The other part of it is he's been brutal. A and B from a numerical standpoint, from from you know the sabermetrics. Listen, you got to where you needed to go. Your goal was to get to Chad Green with a lead to lock it in. And unfortunately, Chad Green didn't do it for you. But he has my to, thought yeah. pro- exactly, but my thought process is, okay, I know that Chad Green has also been kind of struggling a little bit. Why can't I continue with Sessa? And listen, I can warm Green up at the first sign of trouble. I can still bring Green in if I bring Sessa back. I don't know. I've just and I know Sessa has has been better. Mm-hmm. But I've never had any confidence in in his ability to pitch in, in high leverage situations. Mm-hmm. Here's what I know about Chad Green: since 2017, when the Yankees begun started this run, he's been one of their most five reliable relievers. You can go all the way back to Patances and you know, uh, what's his name, Andrew Miller. Like throw him in the conversation of of the five most reliable relievers since 2017. Mm-hmm. I gave him a three-run lead against, you know, Vasquez and Verdugo and, and Dalbeck. He's got to be able to get out of that inning. You're right. I, I get the Red Sox are a really good offensive team. It's Fenway Park. Things can happen. Rivalry, division. Like, I understand all of that. But Chad mm-hmm. Green's he's good enough to, to win that game. So, I like, the Sessa thing, I, I don't kill Boone for the Sessa decision. I just don't understand how, as the organization, you see that your season is on the line. All of these games matter, particularly against the team that you're chasing in the standings. Your your best pitcher and Chapman's been better. Like he's been better. He's your best pitcher when he's on. He's got to be on the mound. He's got to be available for that game. Uh, no faith in in Chapman. That's the bottom line. He had no faith in him. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on ninety eight point seven ESPN. Yankees had a leadoff double. Ah, no score with the Red Sox as we move to the bottom of the first. Rich Hill gave up a leadoff double. Eh. Mets are batting. No score in the bottom of the first. George Springer got thrown out at third. It's just a bad job. It's a bad job. Can't make the last out of third. It's not good. Not good. Well, the second out. For me, how are you running in that spot? With an offense like that, there's no need for you to push it. Not the way they played home run derby <laughs> yesterday. Our poll question, that hardest to ESPN at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. What has to happen in order for the Boone-Cashman duo to return? Make the ALCS, make the World Series, win the World Series, or <laughs> I'm done with them. It's over. Period. Over. I don't want to see them anymore. Here are some of your comments before we get back to the phones. Mr. Underscore Jeff Underscore 24, the worst thing for the Yankees is to sneak into the playoffs, then ownership has no reason to make any changes. Best thing to get rid of Boone and Cashman are to fall completely out of it and be a dumpster fire. Hmm. Also, um, at 
Tony Strong, 631. Boone should be back no matter what. At Boomer Bob, fire them both. So these are just of a, a few of the ideas that uh, you guys are thinking about when it comes to our poll question. Once again, at Hardest to ESPN, at ESPN NY 98 underscore 7 FM. Right now, 39% of you say it's over, period. Get rid of the Boone Cashman duo. It's over. 33% of you say they uh, can come back if they make the ALCS. 9.2% of you say make the World Series because you probably don't think they can get there. And 18% say win the World Series. So that's interesting. Very interesting. Very interesting take. It's all over. You have time to weigh in via Twitter, social media, or you can call us at 1-800-919-3776. Let's go to the phones. Buddha's in the Bronx. Hey, Buddha, you're next to 98.7. Hey, y'all. What's going on? How you doing, bro? What's up, partner? What's happening? All right, listen, with your poll question, I'm with your maturity rule, uh, 39%. It's time for both of them to go. But, you know, we, we know that that's not going to happen. If anybody's going to go, it's going to be cool. Kyle Steinbrenner's not getting rid of cash. We, we know that. Yeah. Um, originally, yeah, no, get it down. No, you're right. We know that. But you know what? Here's the weird thing. You never know if they bottom out. Maybe it's something that he might consider where we don't expect it. But I agree with you. I don't think it's going to happen, but it might be something. And I agree with the other person that tweeted in. For me, I think if it bottoms out and you don't make the postseason, even the wild card, I think that's the best thing because it really makes you say, you know, we really got to do some more maneuvering with this team that we've done over the past couple of years because it's not working what we've done. Yeah, from, from your lips to God's ears. But, uh, <laughs> listen, I called you to talk about the Damian Lillard thing. Uh, you know, Stephen A. reported about the Kevin Durant before and it didn't go through. Yes. I would hope that it would happen. But then we got the meanie on. You took me to the Jets. And um, there were a couple of things that you guys spoke about that were very interesting. Mm-hmm. You know, first thing is, um, with, with, with Caesar Salah, we know, I have no doubt that he's going to give us a defense out there that we can be proud of. We are um, young and, and thin on the edges. I think the middle of our defense is good. But, you know, what I notice all the time is when you have a really good defense, especially when it's like a, a, a new coach coming in, there's not such a dependence on the pass rush on one person. Like, with this guy Lawson, I keep always hearing about him. And, and we got to remember, his max sacks were 5.5. You know, like, he, he, he can help, but we can't bank on, you know, that he's going to be a double-digit sack guy. So, you know, the whole thing I'm wondering is, whatever happens to that kid from Florida, you know, he was a good player. And, um, you know, he was on the witness protection um, list last yeah. year with the Jets. The guys who need him, you know, hopefully if he's still on the team, you know, Salah will be the kind of guy that's going to be able to pull something out of him. we got to get a rotation in. You know, Quentin Williams is the anchor, but it's difficult to have your anchor being the, the inside defensive person, you know, to, to get the most sack. So I'm hoping that that changes. Um, you know, very good to hear that uh, Tucker, uh, Moore, Carter, that these guys were impressive because as you spoke to with um, Rich about um, the, the offensive line moves, that, listen, not even just the offensive line moves, you know, just in my humble opinion, this is the thing that has really been bothering me a little bit, and specifically with this station in terms of like Joe Douglas. You know, I was listening to um, Donald Grecker and, and with Shoes and Talk, and, and they're like, yeah, you know, Shoes is like, wait till Sam Donald gets uh, to throw a pass. To um, what's the guy's name? The running back. He's going to run for that. Listen, that's not the only problem that Sam Donald had. You know, he was not an anticipatory thrower. 
You know, and he's going to throw those interceptions there the same way he did in, in college. But this stuff about, you know, he wasn't given the right weapons here. And they, you know, you can't have your cake and eat it too. So if he wasn't given the right things to work with, how has Joe Douglas done a good job? Do you understand what my, my, my yes. thought process behind mm-hmm. that? Like, they, they're always protecting this guy, man. Like, you know, and it's his fate. So these four guys that we got, like, they're all, to be honest with you, with the, with the dirt the talent that we've had here, every last one of those guys, Tucker, Tucker automatically definitely needs to start. Um, the running back, Carter, I, I see him and um, more. Those guys need to be starters. In order for, for me to like have that confidence in Joe Douglas, you know, and moving forward. But I'll definitely say this much, and, and, and this is something Samini said, and this is very poignant, and, and he said, Jets fans are going to see very quickly that the difference between Zach Wilson and Sam Donald is Wilson has a quick release. And I mean, I think that could take that kid a long way, especially being the fact like you discussed. He's not the biggest guy, and he's not going to be the kind of guy that, that's going to be good to take a pound in. You know, with the LaFleur offense, you know, we're, I'm hoping to see quick plays, mm-hmm. you know, movement from the quarterback, you know, options, you know, different types of throw-run options. You know, I, I'm excited, you know, and, and um, how can you say, reserved in the same regard. So, you I know, I'm looking that. forward to it. You know, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, there's no question about that, Buddha. Thanks for the phone call. And, and here's the thing you want to see. With the West Coast offense, usually the characteristics of that offense is you got two quick reads. Here they are. This is where they're supposed to be. Get rid of the football or let's go. And so if he's able to do that and able to continue to do that under duress, under different defenses, they're going to show him one thing and and there's going to be another. Obviously, it's a work in progress. He's not going to be a superstar in his first year. He's not going to be you know a Hall of Famer in his first year. But if you see him build and get better from the beginning of the year to the end of the year. That's what you want to see. Any quarterback that can cut down on their turnovers and not turn the football over is going to be a major improvement over what you saw from Sam Darnold. It just is. He, he was a guy who consistently made bad decisions. And unfortunately for him, in a lot of cases, it was the same bad decision. All right. And yeah, he tried to force the ball into some situations and look, that's nothing new. There's a lot of quarterbacks who think that they, they're very confident in their arm talent and say, you know, I can get it through there. And and a bunch of wide receivers telling them I'm always open. So if he can, as Rich mentioned, if he can get the ball away quick, that's going to help him out. And guess what? It helps his receivers out too. Because then you're not waiting. You're not standing there. You have a chance to turn up field and go. Now back to the Ian O'Connor Show on 98.7 ESPN.